Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29, a Peachtree Hoops podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. I'm coming to you Friday after the Hawks win over the Utah Jazz. I'm here to talk about that game and a few other things related to the Hawks coming up this weekend. Let's start with Kent Bazemore as one of our three stars. We'll make him the third star. He was uh, he got off to a nice start when the Hawks went to their bench in the first half. I thought that of the bench players, Bazemore and Alex Len were the two players who really gave them a little bit of juice. They were crisp. Bazemore in particular was hitting his shot on the night. Uh, he made four of nine shots, but four of six threes. He didn't hit the box score in too many areas, but you know, just playing with energy, keeping the pace to the Hawks liking and making threes. So between those two things, the pace and the making of the threes, that's really enough to make Bazemore our third star, a nice little bounce back after he got spun around by James Harden in the game against the Rockets Tuesday night. If you want to hear his reaction to his reaction that he posted on Instagram and Twitter, uh, hit up our last episode where he talked about that a little bit and was a good sport. For our second star, let's go with Trey Young. Um, which is, you know, in a way a little bit ridiculous. It wasn't Trey's best game. He wasn't hot as a shooter. 8 of 22 from the floor, 1 of 6 from 3. He had a bunch of turnovers, uh, 5 turnovers to be exact, but we're getting to the point where Trey Young, even if he's having a B-minus, C-plus game, is a positive contributor And at times, you know, even in those situations where he isn't having his best game, it feels like he still controls it. It's still in his hands. Uh, He decides, in a lot of ways, how the game is going to play out tempo-wise, strategy-wise. He's he's pulling the strings. He's the puppet master, if you will. Um, He did have 11 assists. He's rapidly moving up the list of assists in players age 20 seasons. He passed Magic Johnson and Isaiah Thomas last night. He now has 572 assists on the season. That's fifth most all-time among 20-year-olds. The only four players with more assists than him, Stephon Marbury, Chris Paul, LeBron James, and John Wall. And he's only five assists behind LeBron, two behind Wall. So, you know, with one sort of average Trey Young game, he'll probably move to third all-time for assists by a 20-year-old. And he'll have a shot at catching Chris Paul, who had 611. Uh, So that's pretty heady stuff among some all-time great NBA passers. Uh, Again, the seven players on this list, seven players with five, seven seven players with more than 550 assists as a 20-year-old. The seven players that have done that Stephon Marbury, Chris Paul, LeBron James, John Wall, Trey Young, Isaiah Thomas, and Magic Johnson. Uh, that's that's elite company. That's telling you that that Trey Young is a bonkers passer. And you know, again, last night his passing, among other things, really controlled and dictated the pace of the game. Before the game, Utah head coach Quinn Snyder was asked about what he's seen from Trey Young in his rookie season. You know, I saw him in, I don't know, the, the, the Phil, Phil Knight tournament um, you know, over a year 
year and a half ago almost. And he was, he was wow, you know, he was that type of player. And then you follow him during the course of the year, and pretty soon he was getting triple teamed. And, and then it, it was almost, yeah, people judge players um, on like small things in, in short periods of time. And I remember if you had a list of all the guys that maybe had a one bad game in summer league that went on to be great players like that, I just know that because I, I remember um, when he played in our summer league and, and he's finding his way. And, um, I couldn't be more. The thing to me that's most impressive about his season is that his kind of unwavering, you know, belief in himself, and he knows who he is as a player, and he's gotten better and better as the season goes on, and it, it's been fun to watch him, you know, and a lot of it, you know, their team is the same way, and Lloyd's done an unbelievable job. Um, they play their personnel and the way they play. Um, they fit together well and they make each other better, and he's the catalyst for all that. Um, you know, you see the shooting, you notice that, whether it's the range or off the dribble. Um, but his playmaking, I think, is what really made he's, he. I mean, I bet his teammates like playing with you know. <laughs> and that, when you have that, a guy like that um, who can make plays, and, um, I just I have a lot of respect for just how you know he's developed, and, and clearly his relationship with Lloyd, you can kind of see that. You know, the confidence that he has in him and that resonates. Um, he's a heck of a player. He's going to be good for a long time to come. Anytime you're looking at how to guard somebody when they're a rookie and figuring out, you know, schemes and stuff, and, you know, that, that, that says something. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been fun, to, you know, to see him get better and, and continue to kind of improve and establish himself. Do you see any similarities between him and Donovan's rookie season? Um... You know, they're different players um, to the extent that they both had pretty good rookie years. <laughs> um, you know, that, 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 that one's obvious. Um, you know, I, th I think Trey's, you know, he's a point guard. He's managing a team where Donovan's role was, was more, you know, we needed him to score and create. Not that Trey doesn't do that, but, you know, you just look at the assists and things like that. That's... Don, not that Donovan doesn't have assists and pass the ball, but they're just different players. But you know, two guys that you know that have a lot of confidence in themselves. I think they both like to play. I guess if you had to, when you watch them play, you can tell they love playing. Trey also had another one of those plays that, if you make any sort of highlight reel from the NBA from Thursday night, Trey Young should be in it. Uh, he drove the lane. He had a couple of defenders sniffing around him close to underneath the basket. One of them was Rudy Gobert. You know, he kept his dribble alive, a la Steve Nash. So he's gnashing his dribble as he goes across the baseline underneath the basket. He f he has a hawk behind him, so he fakes it like a behind-the-back pass. But, of course, what he does instead is he dribbles from back to front through his own legs with his right arm, sent Gobert, you know, looking for wherever that pass, that fake pass, was going to go. And, of course, it didn't. And he came out the other end for a reverse layup. Uh, just bananas. Uh, after the game, I asked Trey, you know, he uses misdirection quite a bit. I wanted to know if he had a specific rule of thumb for when to use that misdirection. 
in the first half you had that reverse layup after you went through your own legs. Yeah. Do you ever have a sense of like when to throw some misdirection out there? Yeah, I do. I definitely do. I think now that I know every, I've seen every team in the league, I know a little bit more about how they're going to guard me, how they're going to defend my pick and rolls, things like that. Like I can, I know how to, to misdirect. I mean, players a little bit more now, for sure. One thing that we didn't see last night, at least when I was trying to keep track of it, uh, was I was kind of hoping that the Hawks would try to gum up Utah's offense a little bit by sending Trey Young under screens, especially the one set by Rudy Gobert uh, for Ricky Rubio. I know Rubio isn't the same shooter that he was four years ago in Minnesota, but I thought that would have been something to try. They were getting decent offense out of those looks, and I thought that if Trey had darted under those screens instead of trying to chase Rubio from behind, you'd mitigate you know, Rubio's abilities as a passer a little bit because that's really the thing that he does best. But uh, the Hawks were chasing over, and I don't know. I thought it would have been a good variation to try to go under a couple of those. For our top star, let's go with Dwayne Dedman. In 28 minutes, Deadman finished with 18 points, 9 rebounds. He made 6 of his 8 shots. Uh, you know, it's a weird game. Anytime you play Rudy Gobert, it's especially weird when they kind of cross-match. Uh, Utah guarded John Collins a lot with Rudy Gobert, and that left... Dwayne Dedman to be guarded by Derek Favors, and at times, you know, some of the other power forwards, there were moments where Dedman was guarded by Tabo Cephalosha, uh, but Dedman did a good job, you know, nine rebounds, he, he led the Hawks in rebounds on a night where that was going to be something that, you know, was a little bit of struggle just because Utah's pretty darn huge with Favors and Gobert up front. Um, you know, Dedman also made Three of his three threes, Pierce said after the game that that was a big focus, was you know trying to keep their bigs shooting threes so that Gobert would have to come out of the paint as much as possible in terms of, you know, keeping him out of there from protecting the rim. Uh, and of course, you know, that's not just a matter of Deadman shooting threes, that's Collins shooting threes, especially when Gobert's the one guarding Collins, but you really need both to be able to both of them shooting threes to be able to have any chance of of fetching Gobert from under the paint. Uh, so Deadman, you know, played with a lot of energy. He had a chase down block that was just stupendous in the fourth quarter off of a kind of a turnover scramble loose ball situation where the ball just squirted out like an outlet pass for the Jazz. Uh, Deadman had a great chase down block that just showed how much effort he's playing with. So, uh, in addition to the three threes, the 18 points, the nine rebounds, he also had three blocks, which led the Hawks on the evening. He's just, you know, he's seven feet tall. He plays really hard, and he can shoot and do some things offensively. Uh, so for that, we're going to make him our number one star of the game. Great effort by Deadman on the night. Speaking of Gobert, uh, James Harden, when he was in State Farm Arena Tuesday, set you know, kind of an obscure record with the three number of three-point attempts. He set the mark for number of threes attempted in a single season. Uh, mark, which, you know, by the end of the season, he'll probably have up over a 1,000. Uh, Rudy Gobert 
had two dunks last night. He leads the NBA in dunks. He has 262 dunks now on the season. Uh, holding him to two dunks is actually pretty good uh, for a player who has 262 for the season. That 262 is a pretty high total. Uh, the number of dunks is a stat that has been tracked since 2001. And the record over that time span uh, was set by Dwight Howard. In, in the 2007-2008 season, Howard had 269 dunks. So Gobert uh, didn't eclipse that mark last night, but he's going to have a strong chance to do it here by the end of the season and become the all-time single-season dunk leader for seasons since 2001. We're probably ignoring... Uh, the fact that that record probably, in reality, really belongs to either Shaquille O'Neal or Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, but for the seasons that it has been tracked, Dwight is the single season record holder. And he'll probably be passing the torch to Rudy Gobert sometime in the next week to ten days. So shout out to Ruby Go Rudy Gobert for that one. Shout out to Vince Carter. Uh, an interesting game for Vince. Uh, he made two of four threes, so as usual, you know, he's he's creeping his mark even closer to 50% since he turned 42 years old. Uh, he has now made 48.9% of his three-point attempts since his 42nd birthday. He also forced a jump ball and won it. Again, a nice, nice thing for a 42-year-old to do. Uh... And like a good 42-year-old, Vince likes to be early at the buffet line, so to speak. He is typically the first hawk to warm up hours before the game. Usually at like 4.30 for a 7.30 tip, Vince is out there getting his shots up. Uh, yesterday, he went out to get his shots up and he noticed that the basket was misaligned. So the arena staff had to bring out their calibration equipment. There's like a metal rim that they lay over the actual basketball rim. It has a metal bar that goes across it. Halfway across on that metal bar is a, a, a spot to hang a plum. And they drop a 10-foot line down to the court to measure if the basket is exactly lined halfway across that free throw lane. And so there was a little bit of an adjustment that had to be made. So shout out to Vince uh, for making and noticing that the basket needed some alignment. Some six hours later at the end of the game... Vince had a pretty terrible foul on Kyle Korver. It could have easily been Korver shooting three free throws down three points at the end of the game. Uh, luckily for Carter, Korver had just barely stepped over the line, actually with both feet, but not by a whole lot. Uh, so it only ended up being two free throw attempts. Korver uncannily missed the first one, which was a little bit of a shock, and that kind of threw a big wrench in the plans for the Jazz. It also meant that when he intentionally missed the second free throw, the fans got free Chick-fil-A. So we got intentional Chick-fil-A out of the Utah Jazz last night. Uh, and Vince, you know, who committed that foul, then made a game-saving play. If you didn't notice it, go back and watch it. Because Korver had a fantastic intentional miss. Uh, Donovan Mitchell was being boxed out by Kent Bazemore. Mitchell got a nice head start and used Korver almost like a screen. So Mitchell goes in 
pretty much untouched and gets an offensive rebound, then sprints out to the corner for a three-point attempt. Vince Carter was underneath the basket, boxing out you know, one of the Utah Jazz bigs, either Favors or Gobert. He goes from that box out to a dead-on sprint out to the corner, and he's the one who contested Mitchell's shot. And he got a good contest, right? I mean, if you... You want to know if Vince still has some hops? Watch how high he gets on his contest of Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I know Trey Young had that between the legs play, which was breathtaking. But honestly, I think Vince's closeout was the play of the night, given what he did, how he did it, and the stakes that were on the line when he did it. Uh, That was an incredible play from Vince. Some other weirdness from the game. The Hawks went to Justin Anderson in the first quarter. There was some foul trouble, so they went to Justin Anderson. And strangely, you know, kind of against what you might have expected, Justin Anderson hit a couple of threes and got his shot going. But defensively, he was a little bit of a mess. Um, you know, they gave him a tough assignment chasing Kyle Korver around all those screens. But you know, almost as soon as he came in, Korver attempted and missed uh, a corner three, but it was wide open. He he lost Justin Anderson. So a little bit strange to, to see Anderson living up to things on the offensive side of the ball as opposed to the defensive side. Uh, Jalen Adams was the backup point guard. When the Hawks put the ball in his hands to make plays, it didn't go that well. Uh, He ran a pick and roll with Len, threw a bounce pass kind of too low, right into the teeth of the defense. It got picked off. In the second half, did the same sort of thing with Alex Len and got the exact same result. Uh, so a couple of turnovers trying to make that pick and roll pass, thread it to, thread it through to the rolling big man, and uh, shortly after that second one, he got pulled in the second half, which led to some herder minutes. As I mean, effectively the backup point guard, he was out there with Baysmore and Bembry, but really I I think it, the ball ended up in his hands more often than anybody else's. So some some interesting backup uh, minutes at point guard for Kevin Herter. Herter had a tough assignment on the night. He was chasing around Donovan Mitchell, who was the game high scorer. Uh, it was interesting to see the Utah, uh, interesting to see the Jazz. What they did with Mitchell in a lot of situations was, you know, they were running some some staggered screen actions with two screeners. You know, the Hawks do a lot of double screen stuff for Trey Young. Some of that in uh, delayed transition. The Jazz were doing something similar with their two bigs, but not with Mitchell as a ball handler, but with Mitchell coming out of the corner, you know, taking dribble handoffs, he might come off one screen and then get a, a dribble handoff from that second screen, and then he was on his way in a lot of cases. Uh, Herder said after the game, you know, that you know the Hawks had to make some decisions as far as what they were willing to give up, and that ended up being a lot of Donovan Mitchell floaters, and he made a lot of a lot of floaters, so credit to him for that. But, you know, Herter said as much, you know, they were trying to chase him around, keep him off the three-point line and out of the out of the lane under the rim. So they were willing to give him those those mid-range shots, and, and he made a bunch of them. Uh, Herter also had a nice help block from behind. That was, that was good to see. Good to see him making that aggressive sort of play. Uh, not, a, not a lot else to be said here. Uh, the Hawks have a game tomorrow, Saturday, against the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, they'll be facing a seven foot three defensive stopper for the second straight game. 
I asked Lloyd Pierce after the game if he thought it would be helpful to see Embiid closely after seeing Gobert in consecutive games. Is there something in terms of style of play uh, facing Utah and then Philadelphia this weekend that makes the carryover a little bit easier in terms of just offense and dealing not with an really, elite rim protector? Not really. A 16-point guard and a 7-foot-2 guy that talks a lot. Um, yeah. That made 23 free throws last night. Um, you know, they're big. They're physical. Um, they probably don't like me a whole lot right now. Um, <laughs> and they understand that we compete. We went down there and showed them we compete. I know a lot of guys aren't going to want to come in here and think this is an easy game to lose for Atlanta Hawks twice. So um, they will play fast because Ben Simmons will push the basketball. They will play slow because they can post up Joel and B. And they'll they are big everywhere else with Tobias Harris and Bar Boban and, and uh, Jimmy Butler. And they'll try and find matchups and play inside in the post. Um, these guys play them. They, they, they move the basketball side to side, play pick and roll. They have a lot of three-point shooters. Philly's big, physical, mean. They're, they're trying to find their edge right now because that's been questioned all year. So I think it's going to be a completely different game. All right, that's it for me. Subscribe, rate, review. As always, uh, thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you again soon. Have a good one.